Good morning, good morning. Welcome to this uh, the service this morning. What a beautiful sunny Sunday that's out there. It's got like a lot of reverb or something up here. But uh, wow, it's really good to see you all. Uh, I know it's, uh, you know it's sunny, but it is a little bit humid out there, right? I know it's humid. I'm just being silly. Uh, but anyway, somebody wants to give me a new Toyota. Um, oh, there is a Toyota fob that somebody's missing. If that happens to be you... Uh, and your car is gone, you'll know where it's at. <laughs> I don't know. There was a wedding here yes, uh, Friday, so it could be from that. But anyway, just anybody? Nobody's claiming it. Is that you? All right, there you go. All right. Got that taken care of. If you're visiting for the first time, welcome. We're glad to have you. Stop by the Welcome Center if you would. We have a, a gift for you. Uh, if you're not visiting for the first time, but... Uh, uh, visiting, we're still glad to have you. If you're visiting online, uh, please either scan the QR code or go to sbtnd.org/connect uh, and let us know. That, is it connect? Contact. Sorry, I, that, I didn't think that sounded right. And let us know you're out there. We're glad to have you. Welcome. Uh, Sparks Cubbies Truth and Training. That's called Awana. It's getting ready to start up on August the 16th. That's this uh, this Wednesday, seven o'clock. Ages third grade to the sixth grade. Uh, three years old, I'm sorry, three years old to the sixth grade, and uh, so looking forward to that. We had a great uh, meeting with the uh, leaders, and so they're ready to go and get that off to a great start, so that starts this Wednesday. Missionaries of the Week are the Haley's. Now, the Haley's have had a wonderful opportunity, if you've been able to keep up with any of this with their prayer letters, uh, they have an opportunity to purchase a campsite uh, that is already well-developed there in Botswana, uh, and they... Uh, Brother Tim, do you remember how how many dollars it is? Where did Tim go? They still need, still need about 150,000 to make it all work, and that seems like a ton of money, and it is. But I tell you, if you get a chance to go in and look at the photographs, or you can, I think they may have some copies of it in our book back there. Uh, but if not, it'll the the letter will guide you how to do that, and you can take a look at it. Mike's got a video; you can follow through on the video that he's got as well. It is a beautiful facility, and it would open up a huge opportunity for them to minister to the other missionaries that are there, to minister to uh, mission gr- groups that would come over here, uh, come from over here uh, to there, and just all kinds of things. So just take a look at that. Any way that we could help them to get that going, that would be absolutely fantastic. So remember, uh, remember the Haley's in your prayers. And before we uh, have this uh, men come forward and we'll get ready to take up the tithes and offerings, but while you're coming, I'll remind you that tonight, you may or may not know this, or you may, if you missed some, some Sundays, you don't know this, but uh, Pastor Andrew's last Sunday was last Sunday, and uh, he is now in Minnesota this morning. Uh, it's, what, about an hour later there, so they may maybe in the middle of Sunday school hour or whatever, but anyway, uh, they're up there ministering to, uh, to church there, so pray for them. With that, we've presented to you to put uh, David Klingeman in place as the interim youth director. This would be temporary. He's got another year to finish up his MDiv. And then his desire is to go to missions. And so, but what that would do is buy us, you know, from now until the end of May, uh, that time for us to find somebody and not have to be in panic mode about, oh, no, who's going to take Pastor Andrew's place? And David's been working with the teenagers for a couple of years already under Pastor Andrew with the, uh, as the youth uh, staff, and so he's accustomed to that. So tonight, uh, after, the, after the service, the, the takeover service from the recharge class, uh, then we'll address that. So if you can come ready for that, we'd appreciate it.
All right. Brother Tim, would you ask God's blessings on the offering and on the Haley's and on the service today? Our dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the ability to gather together. Just ask that you might give um, continued freedom to us here in the United States, that, that we might continue to worship you freely. And we thank you for the opportunity to return to you the blessings that you have provided give wisdom to uh, the leadership here as those funds are properly distributed. And as we look at the Haley's in Botswana, the opportunity that you have uh, provided for them to purchase this land and the plans that they have for it, that you just might um, bring the funds in in the time frame that is needed and desired that they would be able to get this uh, up and running. We ask that you might find good ground uh, in hearts for your Holy Spirit to work this morning. I uh, just ask that uh, Pastor might be a pure vessel, that your word would go forth uh, without hindrance. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jaden. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. One of my favorite aspects of God being our shepherd is that he cares for us. And we're going to sing about that this morning. So go ahead and stand with me as we start by seeing the lily of the valley. We'll sing all three verses. I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the very stuff ten thousand to my soul. The lily of the valley. All I need. 
on this last, when we get to that chorus, we're going to have the instruments drop out and we'll sing the chorus a cappella. Come and We learned it last week. We're going to add verse 2 to it today. So we'll sing verse 1 and verse 2 of Jesus Christ the Righteous. You gave birth to the beginning. You awoke the dawn of time. Yet displayed a greater glory as a man for them to die. With the The heart I have received you, I am full of peace and joy. You are Jesus Christ, the righteous, hallelujah, for the flood, for your death and resurrection. Make me fully Yet in mercy you have taken my unrighteousness on you. You've exchanged my lawless nature for your perfect flawless life. Oh, the fellowship we cherish as I'm walking in the light. You are Jesus Christ, the righteous, hallelujah, for for your death and resurrection, make me fully right with God. Great saying, you may be seated.
Thank you very much. I never heard that song, and I like it. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5, the fifth chapter of the book of Matthew. Wow, it's great to see everybody here. We have 43 over in the overflow, so we've got a good crowd here this morning. Appreciate you being out uh, for us. Had some visitors in our Sunday school class. That's always an exciting thing, having happened. By the way, for our Sunday school class, those of you who are out there in the uh, Partners in Life Sunday school class, that's... Uh, you're engaged or married uh, with kids pre, or married with no kids, or kids with like, and not yet in school, uh, whatever, you know, just come to our class. We don't care. We're very glad to have you. But we're having a chopped activity. Uh, chopped is where, you know, you're going to cook for us. And uh, so here's what's going to happen. That's going to be on August the 27th, Sunday afternoon. And uh, so... Uh, what we'll be doing is uh, we'll give you the protein, probably going to be chicken plus some other protein that you don't know what it is yet, and three other ingredients that you don't know what they are, and you have to make one main dish. We'll be on teams together to make one main dish uh, out of that that you'll serve to all of us. Uh, we'll all share that together. That's going to be an exciting time. So uh, we're looking forward to uh, seeing what it is that you'll do for us. Just, I don't know. I have no idea. I've never tried it before, so... We're excited about it. Matthew chapter 5 is where we are. You're going to be, uh, since you've already turned there, I forgot to mention, it's good to have John and Charity with us. They got married on Friday, but they don't leave until tomorrow on their honeymoon. So uh, they've been in their new apartment, and now they're here this morning. Appreciate your faithfulness. And they're taking off tomorrow for St. Augustine, Florida. So anybody that wants to go down there and pester them, uh, you know, (laughs) 
I don't know where in St. Augustine, Florida. That's your problem. Just go down there. It's good to have them. And then Gideon has a birthday today. Mr. Gideon, 17. I said, does it make you nervous that I know that he's now? And uh, so happy birthday to you, Gideon. We're excited about that. Matthew chapter 5. Let's take a look at verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Father, as we come to your word today and look at this passage of scripture together, may we grow in your grace through it. May it challenge us. God, I pray that you would burden us uh, for the souls of those around us in such a way that we will desire to be the salt, to be the light that you've called us to be. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What a great song that was to start off what we're going to talk about today. And I want to ask you to begin to think about things because Come September, the first Sunday in September, and all of September and all of October, minus, minus one Sunday that I'll be down at Pensacola uh, speaking, but um, minus that one Sunday, every message that I bring for those two months is going to be really focused on the gospel. And the idea is that, you know, I want you to begin to think, who do I know that needs the gospel? And I'll give you an, an opportunity to invite them to church and just know for certain that What's going to be given is a gospel presentation again and again for uh, seven or eight Sundays there. So uh, what today is kind of a springboard for that, to get you to think about that. And wow, that song was just so perfect. You know, the very first line just about drove me to my knees. You know, when it said, and I've never heard that song before, but uh, praise the Lord, this God of the sparrow who knows when that sparrow can't even take wing and steps in. And then that God who is for those outcasts, and that God who is for... And it was just again and again. It's a great opportunity for us to consider. And all of us have friends, family, somebody who, you know, we, we know needs Christ. And maybe it is that you're trying to figure out how to share the gospel, or maybe you've shared the gospel and, you know, whatever. But, you know, we'll try to give you an opportunity for the next couple of months uh, to involve them with the gospel by just simply bringing them to a Sunday morning service. Uh, which brings us to verse 14. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine there. I'm sorry. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And I want to talk to you today about becoming that radiant, that that well-lit Christian. Right? We are all as Christians lights. That's a given. But it is possible, according to what this passage is saying, that our light is not as effective as it might be. Because unless our light is on a hill, unless our light is on a candlestick, unless, unless we be hiding our light under a bushel, uh, then our light does not have the impact that God's intent is. Uh, he has made us lights through the blood of Jesus Christ. If, we, if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, this passage is about you. This passage is about me. Now, if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ your Savior, then this passage is for you, right? It is a God whose desire is to reach the whole world through the light that he's given in his children. Uh, look at what it says. You know, ye are the salt of the earth. Ye are the light of the world. I mean, God's desire, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His desire is that we would so present the light and the salt that it would draw others to Him. And uh, so that's what we want to talk about today, is how we can make our light 
uh, matter, how we can make our light make a difference. Uh, so again, I'm, I'm primarily talking to those of you who know Christ as your Savior. I don't know all of you. So it's possible that there's someone sitting here that's never trusted Christ as your Savior. Well, let me give you the gospel real quickly. All right? This is just the gospel in a nutshell. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person on the planet is under the condemnation of a holy God because of our sin. And it's not that God's, God is mean-spirited and desiring to, to have condemnation. It is that God is a holy, righteous God, and His holiness prevents Him from allowing sin to enter into His presence. Because if sin comes into God's presence, then God is tainted by our sin. He can't just simply bypass it, because the wages, the payment, the price of sin is death. It's separation from God. That's what sin is. It does. It separates us from God. And so everyone on the planet, everyone who has ever breathed breath, uh, is separated from God by sin. But, the Bible says, God commendeth or shows his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So this God, who is holy and righteous, for whatever reason, has a desire. This is where I can't understand it, but I'm in good company since David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Right? I mean, David couldn't understand it either. And, but this God desired to fellowship with us, and that could not happen apart from our sin being dealt with. So there's only one way to deal with sin. The wage of sin is death. Either we have to be separated from God for all eternity, that deals with our sin, or God could provide a way whereby a sinless, perfect Son of God took upon Himself the sins of the whole world and made salvation available to mankind. And that's what Jesus Christ did. Not for our sins only, but for the sins also of the whole world. The Bible says He the Son became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And so the way we become a Christian is to place our faith, our confidence, our trust, believing that what Christ did on the cross is sufficient to pay our sin debt. And once we agree with God that His, His blood is sufficient to pay for our sin, salvation is ours. And at that moment, we are sealed into the day of salvation we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. We are kept by the power of God because the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient to pay for our sin debt. And we become Christians. But then as Christians, he wants us to be that light. And so I want to talk to us about how we can let our light so shine. I want you to look at verse 16. It says, let... What's that next word? Now this is important to catch, all right? This is hard for us to grasp all of it. The only way we have light is through Christ. Would you agree? And He is the light of the world, the Bible declares in John chapter 1, right? And yet, God has through Him made us individual lights. And according to this passage of Scripture, this is what's really tough. I'm responsible for my light. I'm responsible for my light. Yes, the light comes from Him. Yes, I am merely reflecting His light. There's, I, I'm really very little in this equation, but according to Matthew chapter 5, God has put the burden of responsibility of the light on us. It is your light. 
And I can, according to that first word of verse 16, I have power in this equation. I am to let my light, which by implication means I don't have to, right? By implication means my light will only shine if I'm choosing to let my light so shine. So the responsibility of this light is mine. Now, you know, I, I, trying to put all of that together, right? I'm not the light. You're not the light. But we've been made lights through Jesus Christ. And the responsibility of how our light impacts those around us falls squarely on us. It falls squarely on us. So I want us to walk through and, and kind of look at our light. The first question would be, is our light bright enough? Right? Is our light brightly burning? Uh, the Bible says things like this. Uh, you know, the Bible says that we need to have our, our lamps trimmed and burning. Remember that phrase uh, in, in, I think it's later on in Matthew, uh, but we need to have that, our lamps trimmed. And the idea, I, you know, most of us are not, we don't deal with wicks that much anymore. Uh, wick, anybody still use one of those old, you remember those old things, you'd pump them up and, they'd, and you had a wick that you'd light and, and I don't remember exactly how all those worked, you know, those Coleman lanterns. Uh, but, you know, the, the wick's important, right? It really is important. And if you don't take care of the wick, the light doesn't burn as well. It's just the way it is. true with the candle, too, right? You can burn a candle, burn a candle. Have you ever had a candle that you couldn't light anymore? Because the wick got kind of buried in all of the wax, uh, and the, that wick becomes... We have to keep that wick properly tended, tended, or else our light will not shine as it ought. And so... We're going to make an application in just a moment. So we have that concept of keeping our lamps trimmed and burning. Uh, we have in that same lamps, lamps illustration was also that there were some who did not have enough oil, right? Who allowed the fuel to run low. They started out with a light. They started out burning. But then the light kind of went by the wayside because they weren't con consistently refueling, 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 which is an important aspect of our Christian walk, right? We need to make sure that the oil is available for... Because the light, and the light doesn't really come from us. It's my light to tend, but it doesn't come from us. And so, you know, but I, I need to make sure that the, the lamp is still getting plenty of oil and, and make sure that we're getting that taken care of. And then, not in the Scripture, but something I think we would understand with the lamps and, and things that we use nowadays would be that little glass globe. So um, uh, on, on Friday, there were some, um, some glass jugs uh, along the, the line that lined up here, and they had candles lit, and they were beautiful. They were beautiful. But by the end of the wedding service, they were black. Did you guys notice that? Uh, that's, that's just kind of what happens when you're burning candles or you're burning fire inside of glass, right? And so if, if we could take another illustration, and again, not from the Scripture, because I don't know if they had glass in the Scripture, uh, but uh, that, you know, it, it, you might have a brightly burning light, you might have a nicely trimmed wick, but if the globe has gotten all discolored, it's still going to be a problem to let your light so shine before men. The responsibility of the light. I'm not the light. He is the light, although the Bible says... You know, I'm the light of the world. I'm, I'm reflecting his light, but the responsibility of the light is on me. Is my light shining brightly? 
Am I keeping the wick trimmed? And the idea is this. Uh, remember in uh, John chapter 15, I believe it is, um, where the, they're, they're, Jesus is talking about pruning, taking the fruit and pruning the tree and making sure that it bears more fruit, right? He wants us to bear much fruit. He wants to bear fruit, much fruit, and more fruit. And that happens by keeping the, the uh, branches trimmed up and working the way they're supposed to, right? If you ever grow plants, especially plants that are recurring plants, right? Uh, those house plants or those uh, annuals that you put out there, you don't do much with them typically. Although even the annuals, uh, if you want them to keep blooming all summer long, what do you have to do? You have to go in and pick those, you have to pick the dead stuff off, right? Uh, so like, like uh, petunias especially, you know, they, they bloom real pretty and then they kind of close up and you get that little brown thing hanging there. And if you don't go and pick all the brown stuff off, eventually all oh, you're going to have is a bunch of brown stuff and you're not going to keep getting the blooms back. You've got to go in and pick that back. That's the way it works. But especially the, the perennial type of plants that are coming back year after year after year, if you just think you're going to plant them and walk away, you're probably sorely mistaken. You've got to take care of those things. And you've got to tend them. That's the way they work. Think of, a, think of a rose for a moment. And I, this is why I don't ever try to grow roses, because they're just too much work. I don't like to grow roses. They're, I like to smell roses. I like to see roses in somebody else's yard, not in mine. Uh, but you know what you have to do with the rose? You have to trim it back. You have to cover it. And when it gets real cold, because if it gets too cold, it'll kill it. So you've got to cover the thing up. You've got to then go back out and take it all off. You gotta, it's just a lot of work. Like, I'm more of the, the guy that I just, you know, I want to mow it like this, mow it down, and the next year it pops back up. So we've got things like, uh, like uh, peonies, or however you guys say that word, all right? So we've got peonies. And you know what you can do with a peony after, it gets, after it's bloomed and the season's done? Just run over with a lawnmower. Next year it's going to come back. I like that. It's easy for me to take care of. We have, and I tell you, if you want any of these things, you can just go start digging them up out of my yard. They're, gonna, they're growing like crazy uh, right around my house. But uh, we have surprise lilies. Anybody ever seen surprise lilies? So that's those pink things you've been looking at around my house for the last three or four weeks. So what happens with the surprise lily? You get this, all this green growing up. It's like really pretty, and then it just dies. It's like, what happened to it? It's just gone. It just kind of, all the leaves fall over to the ground, and they're just laying there brown. And you think, that was a wasted thing. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, overnight, literally overnight, you'll have an 18-inch beautiful lily, no leaves around it, just a stalk and a, and a pink flower right up at the top, and I've probably got a hundred of them now out there, They're just, they, and they just keep reproducing. That's what they do. And you know what you do after they die? You just run over the lawnmower. I like that. <laughs> I like that. But if you don't trim them back, eventually they will die. You've got to run over them with a lawnmower. I'm telling you, you've got to take them back down because they've got to be pruned. You've got to keep our... So with us, it's like, okay, God shows us, hey, John, here's something you need to deal with in your life. You need to get that out of there. And my job is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God and to trim that away so that the light shines brightly. And if I fail to do that, the light will weaken and wither. That's what happens. I've got to trim it away. I've got to clean the globe up every now and again. When God shows me something needs to be out of my life, I need to clean that up a little bit and get it out of the way. And then with this oil, I need to make sure that Every morning I'm going to, you know, picking up this book and I'm finding something in it to feed my soul because eventually the light, the fuel that is flaming that flame, that is, that is feeding that flame is coming from this book. 
Do you understand? It's coming from my spiritual walk. And my spiritual walk weakens, so does the light. My responsibility is to the light. Now listen, this is the wonderful thing about the gospel. If you and I will choose to live brightly before our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, and we invite them into church and they're under the sound of the gospel, the gospel put together with a testimony of light is a powerful thing. In our TNT program, one of the one of the reasons it works so well, we have Christian or we have teenagers get saved every summer during our TNT program. And what's really happening is twofold. Our, our teenagers are inviting their friends to come and hear the gospel. And when they, and you know, this is an amazing thing. Seldom do people who never hear the gospel get saved, right? Because how can they believe except they hear? But it's a, it's an amazing thing when unsaved people hear the gospel. They start responding. It's an amazing thing. And so what we would have is the teenagers are bringing their friends. But you couple that with the fact that the teenagers care enough about their friends to invite them, are, are living out their lives as a light in front of their friends. And what happens is kids start getting saved. Because that's what happens when the gospel, especially, is put together with a brightly burning light. So one of the things we need to do is make sure we're tending our light. Is your light shining bright? Next one is, is it in sight? Now, this, this makes perfect sense and no sense, right? We're supposed to set our light on a hill. We're supposed to put our light on a candlestick. And what are we not supposed to do with our light according to this passage of Scripture? Why would anybody ever hide their light? Talk to me. Why would anybody ever hide their light? Oh, it could be embarrassing. Maybe they're, maybe they're embarrassed about the light. Hey, listen, we've got to get past this one. Would you agree? Listen, I, I'm, I know, I, I've been a Christian most of my life. I got saved when I was 16. And, and I understand this concept that it's not easy always to let your light shine. Because, you know, you're afraid of what people are going to think or how it's going to impact. You know, you, know, you know what's really tough is family. Family, I think, are the hardest people to, to deal with because here's what you know. If you go and share the gospel with your family on Thanksgiving and it doesn't go well, you know that Christmas is just around the corner. <laughs> right? And it's like, ah, it's a little tough sometimes. I know. I'm aware of that. But the light only works if we don't hide it. Do you understand? We've got to set the light up in a situation, in a circumstance, that it can be seen. And so we're going to get past embarrassment. What's another reason why somebody might hide their light? Say it again. Okay, so it not only does attract people to the light, but sometimes it attracts people to the light for the reason of attack, right? We don't want to open ourselves up for attack. We, this is weird for us in America. I mean, you know, if you go back 50 years in America, this would have been no big deal. But now, in this day and age, we might be canceled on Facebook. Uh, you know, we might be taken off of Instagram. Snapchat may vanish, you know, all of our, you know, Followers and friends and whatever they are all called in these different things. We, we may, they all of a sudden might disappear. It might actually bring attack. What were you going to say, Miss Beth? Oh, could be, you know, we may be the backslidden Christian living in sin, and we might be afraid of another backslidden Christian who's a friend of ours, and how are we going to deal with those? So, oh, you get the idea. 
our light needs to be bright. And in order for that to happen, we've got to tend it. We've got to take care of it. It doesn't happen accidentally. We've got to take care of it. But also, we've got to strategically set the light in place so that people can see it. Is our light visible to people? Or are we hiding our light under a bushel? Do we go to work and, well, we don't want to rock the boat? And Now, listen, I'm going to say this carefully. The people you work for, unless you work for some really strong Christians, the people you work for are not paying you to be a witness. Do you understand? And they deserve from you for you to do your job. And that means that you don't take their time to try to do God's business, right? I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to be honest about this. But... You can let your light shine on their time. Look at what the Bible says here. Let your light so shine before men that they might see what? Your good works. So as you are honoring your employer by not taking the extra 17 minutes for lunch, you see how this works? You're honoring your employer. Well, you're honoring your employer by working hard and diligent and doing your very best that good work becomes the light that they're seeing. It becomes that light. And so, you know, we don't want to hide our light. So sometimes we, we come up with all kinds of excuses for why we should hide the light, but God doesn't give us any, He doesn't cut us any slack here. We are to set our candle, our, our light on a hill. We set our candle in a candlestick so that those around us can see it. So it's strategic. It's on purpose. It's, it's, living, you know, it's living life with a purpose here. We need to make sure that we're, we're consciously letting our light shine. Now, if we do that, and then invite having a light that's shining brightly, that's strategically placed so that our coworkers, our family, our friends, our neighbors can see it, then invite those people to church, and they hear the gospel. Now the gospel has great power. Now, it's powerful by itself, right? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, right? We know that. We are aware of that. But is it possible for our testimony, or lack thereof, to turn someone away from the gospel? We are, we are a gospel known and read of all men, the Bible says, right? An epistle known and read of all men. They're looking at us to see what they think about Jesus. That's what they're looking at us for. Our job is to let our light so shine before men. So I'm challenging us. Is our, is our light shining brightly? Have we strategically placed our light? We're, we're, we're doing good works. So for instance, um, you've got a neighbor. How many times has your neighbor seen the good work that Christ has done in you? For instance, you look over there and you see, oh, look, uh, they're trying to unload that truck. Hey, honey, come over here and watch. Isn't this funny? <laughs> Are we letting our light shine? What, what we ought to be doing? Now, I'm, I'm aware some of you should never be doing this, right? I mean, if, if, if you're, you, you ought not get your walker over there and say, hey, how can I help you, right? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. But the reality is, if I can do something, right? If I, you know, we've, we've given up neighboring. We don't even know what our neighbors do anymore. We hear that our neighbors lost you know, their mother six months later because we're not, we're not neighboring. But if I was neighboring well, then I could have actually gotten involved with taking some food over. 
doing the things that let the light so shine before men that they might see my good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Because when we, too, when we let the light shine, God is able to use that light in greater fashion. We must let our light so shine before men. Are you ready to, to let your light shine? Well, that's not the only part of it. Um, let's ask ourselves, is the light right? Is it bright? Is it in sight? And is it right? Now, this is a tougher one. This one's going to maybe offend some of you when I first say it. But light isn't always right. I'll prove it to you. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Sometimes our light isn't right. See, if all we're trying to do is mimic Christianity, but it's not really something we have, it's not going to work. If all we're trying to do is make everybody else think we're a good Christian, but we're not, see, God knows the reality, you know the reality, and whether you know this or not, other people pick it up pretty quickly too. If our light is going to have an impact, it must burn brightly, it must be set in sight, and it must also be the right light. It can't be some fake, pretended mimicking of light. You know, I, I like the word mimic. I looked the word up, and here's what it means. Imitating the voice, mannerisms, or movements of others. Are you mimicking Christianity rather than being a Christian? Is our light right? Because I'm just telling you, honestly, going to church every Sunday is not being a light. Because unsaved people go to church every Sunday all the time in America. Churches are full of unsaved people today, right now as we're speaking, across America, who are not being a light, mimicking a light. It's a pretended light with little power. It's, it's simply... Pretending, reading our Bible isn't, reading our Bible does nothing for us because the natural man cannot understand the things of the Scripture. Does nothing for us unless there's been something to change us from a natural man into the spiritual one. Trusting Christ. We can't just pretend our Christianity. Even as Christians, we can, you know, kind of pretend, let everybody think. You know, we, we carry a, a, a daily bread in our car. So that everybody, every time somebody gets in our car, they're like, oh, look, you read the daily bread. The problem is, it's from, you know, 2003, and we haven't really read it. It's just, we leave it in there because that's what we want people to think. You, get that, you understand the concept? It's, it's pretended light. And it's not going to have the impact that the light that shines from Jesus Christ through us is going to have. It's not the same thing. You know, it's, um, it's important that we be genuine because it doesn't take long for plastic to show up, right? We all know this. Most of our cars are plastic nowadays. And, uh, you know, they look nice. They look, they look just like the cars from the 1970s. They're shiny and bright and 
Everything looks just like that until you ab accidentally, you know, bump somebody in front of you. Now, back in the 70s, you could bump somebody hard enough in front of you to lock bumpers. Remember when you used to do that? And then you'd jump on the back of one of the cars and you'd unlock bumpers. Then everybody drive off. No big deal. You know what? You bump into somebody today and you're buying two brand new bumpers. The back bumper for the person you hit and the front bumper for you. Because it's plastic. It doesn't take long for plastic to show up for what it really is. And that's the way in our Christian life. We can't just... We, this is not something we can fake our way through. Our light has great power. In fact, here's the power it has. It says, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and... Who's doing the glorifying the Father? They are. That they may see your good works and glorify the Father. Wow! Look at the power that your light has to change someone's opinion about God. But fake, pretended light, no power. No power. We must make sure that our light is burning brightly. We must make sure that our light is set in sight for everyone to see. And we must make sure that our light is right. And you put those three things together, and then let those people who have been watching our light come under the sound of the gospel, and things begin to happen. So the challenge for this month is let's work on our light. Let's trim the let's trim the wick a little bit. Let's clean up the globe. Let's make sure that we're giving plenty of oil for that light to burn brightly. Let's make sure that we're strategically setting that light in place. Let me tell you how to do this. I'm going to strategically set my light in place, teenager. I'm going to go to school tomorrow at FC and I'm going to take my Bible with me and when it comes lunchtime, I'm going to read my Bible while I eat lunch. I'm being strategic. I want my light to be seen. Do you understand how this works? I, I promise you, it, won't, it may not happen the first day, it may not happen the second day, but at some point, somebody is going to ask you about your Bible. And at that moment, the light begins to burn brighter. You have opportunities there. We're strategically setting it. At work, I'm going to go to work. I'm going to take my Bible with me. I'm going to sit on my desk. When it comes lunchtime, I'm going to spend some time reading it. I don't have to read it my whole time. I've got to eat lunch, right? But five minutes of just opening my Bible, letting somebody see me reading my Bible is a big deal. By the way, you want to do this, Dad? If your kids start watching you carry your Bible with you to work every day, it'll change your kids. It'll change your kids. It's strategic. We set our light on a candlestick. We put it on a hill so that the city that's afar off can see it. That's what we do. And God begins to use And when we couple our light with the gospel, here's what happens. We're in Acts chapter uh, 16. Right? Remember what happens in Acts chapter 16? Paul and Silas have been beaten, thrown in prison, and at midnight, what are they doing? singing and praising God. They've been beaten, thrown into prison, and at midnight, they're singing and praising God. An angel comes, sets them free, but they don't run. And the jailer, thinking everybody's gone and he's going to be in real trouble, is about to commit suicide when the Apostle Paul says, don't kill yourself, we're all still here. 
in the middle of that darkness, they let their light shine. And you know what happens? Something that hardly ever happens. This jailer says to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? When's the last time somebody came out to us and said, I don't know what you've got, but I need it. Tell me about it. What must I do to have what you've got? Because that's what the jailer was like. He watched them singing and praising God, and he recognized they didn't run when they could have because they knew he was going to die. Don't kill yourself. We're still here. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they gave the gospel. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Same is true for thy house. And guess what happened? The jailer got saved. Because the gospel with light shines bright. Heads out, I suppose. If we'll work on our light and then get our friends, our family, our co-workers, our neighbors under the sound of the gospel, things begin to happen. So today I'm challenging us. Let's work on our light. What's your light like? Is the lamp is the wick trimmed and is it allowing the light to burn bright? Is there plenty of oil in the tank allowing the light to burn bright? Is the globe cleaned up? Allowing light, or the things in your life say, Pastor John, I know I need to get some things taken care of here. There's things that are clouding the light, preventing it from shining as it ought. And I need to get some things taken care of. Say, Pastor, that's where I'm at. That's, I just need to get my light burning bright. Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you. Hands crossed, please. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe it's not being strategically placed. Pastor, my light's burning. But the honest truth is, Pastor, I'm not setting it up on a hill. Often I find myself hiding it under a bushel. The light's burning. But I'm failing to strategically place it where God could use it. And Pastor, I need to, I need to get past my fears, and past my embarrassment and past whatever it is, and I need to let my light so shine before men. Pastor, would you pray for me? That's where I'm at. Would you slip your hand up? Let me see that so I can pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Thank you. Maybe. Maybe. You say, Pastor. My light burning bright, strategically placed. That's but the, the reality is, Pastor, I just can't get to that place of talking to somebody about the gospel. Folks, if we're waiting for somebody to come to us, it's a long wait. Even with the Apostle Paul, it only happened a couple times. It doesn't happen often. How can they believe except to hear? Let's be willing to take that step. And one last one. Maybe it is. You say, Pastor John, I have to be honest. I've been pretending. I'm mimicking my Christianity. The reality is, I don't, I'm not even sure I have a light. I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not certain about my own salvation. And we're talking about other people watching my life, and I, I, I've, I've been playing the game. I go to church, occasionally read my Bible, but the reality is, Pastor, it's not my reality. And I'm just mimicking. My life's not right. 
Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up and let me see that so I can pray for you? Thank you. Thank you. Father, hands have been raised across this place today. God, I pray that you would help us as your children to let our light so shine. God, if there's anyone here that's uncertain about their salvation, uncertain about what it means to be a Christian, God, I pray that today they would give us the privilege, the honor to talk to them about the things of you. God, may the light of this church, the light of this congregation, starting with this pastor, burn brightly so that we might see those in desperate need, those sparrows that cannot fly, and those uh, who are destitute and in so much need coming to you. And Father, we will thank and praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing Sweet Hour of Prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. The altar is open to you. You step out. Let the Lord have his way as he's spoken to your heart. If you'd like to talk to somebody, meet me down front. We'd be honored to do so as we sing together. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. That calls me from a world of care. And appreciate your kind attention. Don't forget tonight, two things. One is it's Recharge Takeover, so that's our young adults, college age, uh, looking forward to hearing them preaching, leading the singing, doing all those things. It's always an exciting time when they do that. And uh, also then after the service, we'll deal with uh, David Klingeman on on uh, being the interim youth director as uh, we're kind of looking for ways forward until we get Pastor Andrew taken care of. He moved, by the way, officially got there uh, late on Thursday night, so he's in Minnesota, and they got there safely. They had a, several people there to help them unload, so they got unloaded even that night. So they got there about 10.30, and I think by 11 o'clock they were unloaded, uh, unloaded into a storage facility, I think, but still, unloaded. I don't know what to say. Anything else I'm supposed to be announcing? The Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you, give you peace. God bless you. You are dismissed.